0: just joining with us. Um, We are excited that you're here as we uh, usher towards uh, Christmas Day. Can you believe tomorrow's Christmas Eve, as I mentioned earlier? And uh, I do want to invite all of you in the room uh, to really, really be thinking about if you haven't invited someone to join you for our Christmas Eve service tomorrow, we have two, four o'clock and 5.30. The four o'clock, we have preschool uh, environments available. And if you'd like, um, you can take advantage of that. But again, four or 5.30, I definitely want to encourage you to join us. It's going to be an amazing time as we watch this room light up. Uh, as we celebrate with a candlelight service. Um, now, I, I know that we have visitors in our room today because today we have all of our children that are here today and we're excited that you've joined us here today. And kids, I, I just wanna share something that's been happening in my home. You know, it happens from time to time and maybe it happens in your homes. I have a lot of friends that they kind of share pictures with me and different things. Uh, but apparently there are these um, these little beings that during this season, they kind of come and they wreak havoc in our houses. I don't know if you're talking about and adults. You probably don't know what I'm talking about, but the kids do. Um, you see, there's these little elves that kind of come alive at some point right after Thanksgiving, and they travel down, and they, they come into our houses, and, um, and the, but, but you can't touch them, and, and they're, they're kind of they're stationary, and then all of a sudden, something really happens during Christmas time. Is We go to bed, and then we wake up, and they get into a lot of mischief. Um, uh, we have several elves as well. And over the years, those elves have, have you know, come alive. And um, one of them, uh, we actually have one named Sprinkles and uh, Sprinkles likes to get into a bunch of mischief and Sprinkles has an appetite. And uh, so, you know, one of the mornings we woke up and, and this is Sprinkles and you can see right here, um, here he is. And uh, he, he likes peanut M&Ms uh, apparently. Um, and, uh, but I also had some pictures from some friends and apparently these elves, they, they, they move a lot and during the evenings and we don't, we don't see them and um, they like friends. And so they like competitions. And so one Friend sent me this picture. Apparently, they like to have a, a paper sack race uh, with Spider Man. And, and there's I love that there's the Bumble Snowman right behind him. I'd be running too if I, I was that as well. Um, uh, but I'm not happy about this picture because I believe one of the, my favorite places on earth is Disney World and Mickey Mouse. And, and I love Mickey and everything else. And one morning, a friend sent me this picture. Apparently, he got into an argument with Mickey. And this is what he sent me. Uh, apparently, there's a snow fight happening with Mickey and with uh, his elf. And didn't like that. And so, when your elves are mischievous, uh, then something happens to these elves. Uh, there's kind of a, a coup that happens, and boys and girls, your parents will explain what that means later on. But basically, they get turned on, and uh, apparently, in one of my friends' homes, uh, you don't mess with Star Wars figures because they always win. If you kind of take a look at here, um, yeah, uh, that 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 can kind kind of happen. Um, but isn't it incredible, boys and girls, that uh, you know something that um, that doesn't move at all? It seems like doesn't move at all. You know, you look at these elves during the day and they they don't move. They don't move their eyes. They don't look nothing. They're still. Um, But yet something happens at night where they move. And we're going to talk today. We're going to open up the Bible and we're going to talk about a story about a star that moved. And it really causes all of us in this room to really be mindful of a God that moves. And so if you pay really close attention, we're going to have a screen here and we'll have words on the screen, but we're going to tell the story of when three wise men came to visit Jerusalem about a star that moved. This is in Matthew chapter two, verse one and two. Here we go. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of a guy by the name of King Herod, not a very nice guy. About that time, some wise men from Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn King of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, many of us, we have our manger scenes and boys and girls, you may be at home. You have a a scene uh, with animals and with Mary and Joseph, and you have these three wise men that have gifts. And tomorrow, just a little teaser, tomorrow, we're going to talk more about what those gifts actually mean. But these three wise men are here and and they look very different depending on what set or what manger scene you might have. But if you wanted to know really what they look like at biblical times, this is a picture of what the wise men would have looked like. They were known as Zoroastrian Priests. They were probably from a place called Persia. And so in Persia, they all of a sudden, something happens to where it drives them to go far away into a place called Jerusalem because they saw a star. Now, I want to share this with you. What would cause these men to travel so far to go into an area? And to be able to say it, it's because there was something unique about the star. Now, historians, those of you who like history and you like to dive in and say, OK, what really happened during that time? Um, historians have they have come up over the years of three different explanations to celestial things happening to try to explain exactly what the Zoroastrian priest, the wise men actually saw. Those three are as followed. First, they looked at Halley's Comet. If you didn't know about Halley's Comet, Halley's Comet, you can predict. And they know throughout history the amount of years that go by for the comet to streak through the sky. So many historians thought, ooh, maybe they saw Halley's Comet, and that's what caused them to move. Well, they actually looked historically, and Halley's Comet wasn't around the Earth at the time in which this would occur. So you can scratch that one out. Some of them thought, well, you know, Saturn and Jupiter, they actually align at times. And when they do, it causes a huge celestial event. So maybe it's when Saturn and Jupiter, they aligned. But again, historians went through the the archives and they looked. And during this time, Saturn and Jupiter were not aligned together. Then they said, well, hey, the only other thing that could cause it would be a supernova. Is it something would have happened with a star, which would cause them to go ahead and to see it. But again... I checked the archives, and nowhere in documented history was there a supernova sighting. So what did they see? What made this different? Well, a lot of us, we don't really understand. But what was so unique about this star is that it moved. Now, a lot of us think, oh, no, it was just a star that just appeared over Bethlehem. No, it was a star that actually moved across the sky. And it moved across the sky, and it caught the attention of many individuals during this time, which caused the wise men to travel so far from Persia. Because they knew, written in the archives, that a moving star would signify the birth of the king of Jerusalem. And so they came to come see that king. And so the star settles above Bethlehem. They come into Jerusalem, they come to King Herod, and they said, We came to worship the king of the Jews, the newborn king. And now, for those of us here, let me set some context. Here's King Herod. He's there. He's got all the Jewish people. He's the king of the Jews at this time. And I'm sure that Herod is going to be excited about the fact that written in the Bible and the scrolls tells about a moving star. And that would mean a Messiah. That would mean a king that would come. And it would be great for all of us. So I'm sure Herod is going to respond in the right way. Maybe not. Take a look at here. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. But a lot of us focus on Herod and we would forget the next words, as was everyone in Jerusalem. All of Jerusalem is disturbed. King Herod is disturbed. Now let's talk about the people in Jerusalem. Why would the people in Jerusalem be disturbed? Why would they look and all of a sudden, instead of having joy, instead of looking and saying, well, we know scripture and scripture says that a new king is going to come and it's going to be amazing. And they promise so much about this king. Why would be be so disturbed unfortunately i think it's life you see there was a lot of individuals that lived in the city of jerusalem and under king herod's rule if they did the right things and they said the right things then all of a sudden the king would be really close to the people that were close to him And so King Herod was known as someone that did favors for people so that they would keep him in power. And so anybody who was in with King Herod, they wanted King Herod to be there. Why? Because, hey, I got a few kickbacks from King Herod. Life is good. It might be different with the new king. I don't know who this new king is, but if he comes, then my life might get worse. So you know what? No thank you, star. I don't even want to look for that star. I want everything to stay the way it is. I want the status quo. Because I'm not sure it'll get better and I definitely don't want it to get worse. Herod was definitely in that same camp. Herod was a brutal dictator. And again, kids, your parents will describe what that is later for you. But anyway, just a joke. Herod, Herod did anything he could to hang on to his power. Did you know that King Herod had his siblings go away and never come back, parents? Herod also would do anything he could to hold on to his power. Do you know that a writer in history, named Macrobius, he writes this about Herod, about what it means to be close to Herod. I want you to see his writings here. He said this: Fourth-century writer Macrobius wrote, "Emperor Augustus had claimed it was safer to be Herod's so—that means hog—than it was to be his son. It was safer to be the fatted hog that is going to die for dinner than to be Herod's son. Why?" Because Herod got rid of anybody that might put a threat to his kingdom. Do you know that Herod was married nine times? And some of those spouses, they went away for a long time, never to be heard from again. And so Herod was not a very nice guy. And here come the three wise men. And they come and they say, Herod, isn't it great? The newborn king is here. But he was deeply disturbed, as was Jerusalem. So he calls a meeting. Continuing on in verse four through six, he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. And he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. The religious leaders, they knew what that meant. They knew what a moving star meant. And here's the religious leaders and here's Herod and they have no idea what is going on. Or did they? Now a lot of people in a couple of days we leave and we go to Israel and about 33 people are heading out to the Holy Land and we're going to be in Bethlehem in just a few days. And I would tell you this that many of us when we read that story we say well maybe Herod didn't know there was a moving star. Maybe the people of Jerusalem didn't know. Maybe the religious leaders didn't know. They did know. Do you want to know how we know that they absolutely know that a star was moving and that a new king was coming and they did nothing about it? Do you want to know why we know this? It's because do you know how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? Think about it. It's a five-minute journey to Bethlehem. It's right outside the city of Jerusalem. And a moving star would have caught everyone's attention in Jerusalem as well as in Bethlehem, and it would have signified the coming Messiah. Yet no one in Jerusalem was excited about any kind of change. I want the status quo. I want life as it is, because I don't know if it's going to get worse or it's going to go better, and so I want what I want. I think in our lives, especially on December 23rd, we get to that point. We think back to our favorite Christmases and we say, we want it like that. And we go out in the hustle and bustle. And again, I'm a dad. Getting presents and giving gifts is wonderful. I am not at all saying that thing is bad. No, it is wonderful and it is great. But sometimes when all of a sudden during the season, someone challenges us or we go to church and all of a sudden we're reminded of what's most important. And that is, oh, hey, there's a star and his name is Jesus And we should focus on Jesus, and we should focus on his birth. But wait, that would mean during Christmas morning we always do this, we always do this, we always do this, we always do this. No, 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 we have to do it like this because that was great. And if we change anything, if we add any kind of spirituality, if we sit around the table and read a scripture, oh, no, how will people take that? I mean, if we change anything, Terry, then it's going to upset the status quo. And we don't want anything to upset the status quo. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Stuck is the intersection between the desire for better and the fear of change. Stuck is the intersection between the desire for better and the fear of change. I think everyone in this room wants their Christmas to be the most phenomenal Christmas. I think at the same time, everyone in this room wants to feel more connected to their Lord and Savior on Christmas than ever before. However, we don't want to change the status quo to be able to get there. And the intersection between those two areas is called being stuck. And Herod and Jerusalem are stuck and they don't want any change because they have a fear of what the change might bring. We continue on in verse seven. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, you go to Bethlehem and you search carefully for the child and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. I think we got a lot of Herods in the room. Oh, that sounds great. Awesome. Tell me how that goes. Remember I told you how far Bethlehem is. If Herod really wanted to go and to seek out the child, how far would he have to go? Five minutes. How far would the religious leaders have to go? Five minutes. Get this. Don't miss this. You Bible study students pay really close attention. Zoroastrian Persian priests who are not Christians or Jewish people are in the palace and they're saying, we came to worship the newborn king because we know it's special. And you have a Jewish leader, the king of the Jews and religious leaders who are teaching about this moment who go and say, oh, that's great. Hey, why don't you go find it and tell us how it goes? Why? We don't want anything to change. But there is one thing that they don't understand and sometimes we don't understand. God is not afraid of change. In fact, God loves change change. God likes to move as well. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God is a God of movement. There is no stuck when it comes to God. There's no status quo. There's no status quo. Let me illustrate this. And I forgot to bring this out. So give me two seconds. I'll bring this out. And don't worry if you were here last week or the week before, I'm not going to hit him at you this time. But a lot of us, many times, we miss movement all the time. In fact, many of you, you would say, Terry, this ball is stationary. It's not moving at all. When the truth of the matter is, that is false. Right now, the only thing keeping this ball from its desired intent is me. But this ball is being drawn by a force that none of us can see. And that force is called what? Gravity. Gravity. And if I let go of this ball, what's going to happen? It's not going to stay the same. It's not going to stay fixed. It's going to drop. Now, it's not the ball dropping. It's actually gravity who has been pulling on this object. And if I didn't have the stage here, this ball would continue to go down. Why? Because it's gravity. Because we are all constantly being pulled at. We are not stationary. We're being pulled at our hair. If there was no gravity, your hair would be way above your head. Your hair is moving. Your hair is moving down by force. Why? Because of gravity. And so if I were to take these balls, and if I were to go ahead, and if I were to just juggle, I just did that just to show you that I can juggle. Thank you very much. But anyway... Thank you, thank you, thank you. My life achievement, I appreciate it. But anyway, gravity keeps these moving. They are moving constantly, but we miss it all the time. We take gravity for granted all the time. And I think we do the same thing with God. Because the more that you study scripture and the more that you understand God and the more you understand the Holy Spirit, if you're not a Christian, pay really close attention. God is not a monument, God is a movement The church is not a monument. The church is a movement. The church is not a building. The church are the what? The people. And so God has an expectation that we are to move with him. Now watch this. If we say to God, like Herod, no thank you, I want to stay right where I'm at. I want the status quo and I don't want to move. A lot of us think, well, God's here, I'm here. Nothing has changed. Status quo. That's a lie because God is a God of movement and God is constantly moving to different places and doing different things. And I want you to pay really close attention. The more you say and the more you're stuck and the more you say, you know what? I'm just gonna stay in the status quo, the farther and farther and farther away from the spirit and the blessings of God you become. If you're taking notes, write this down. You are either moving with him or you're moving away from him. There is no in between with God. And now watch this. It's not because God wants to be away from you. It's because God is moving and you're saying, hey, you go have a good time, God. You go to Bethlehem, God. I want to stay exactly the same. He's got a movement. So here's a question. How are you going to make this Christmas more than just a holiday? I want to share this with you. And I share it every year and I promise to share it every year because there's new people and I want you to understand. And I'm, I'm going to do this. Connor, you can get these later, but there you go. Oh, there you go. Anyway, thank you, Connor. I appreciate it. You don't have to go get that one. Several years ago, my wife and I were visiting Israel. We we, we bought a candlestick from Bethlehem. And this is actual candlestick from Bethlehem that we bought. Um, and we had a pastor that challenged us as a family to say, what is a simple thing that you can do as a family to really point your attention to what the meaning of the season is? And so every morning, and I got to be honest, um, we had traditions. You know, We get up and we run and we open stockings and we tear into presents. But ever since Connor was little, and Connor can attest to this, he's in the room, we said, all right, as a family, we need to pause for just a a moment. We need to pray, and we need to make sure that the most important thing stays the most important thing, and that is Jesus. The presents are wonderful. The cocoa is wonderful. The Reese's peanut butter cups are wonderful. But we need to pause, and we need to make sure we focus on the most important thing. So every Christmas morning, we go to the manger scene, and we have this candlestick that's here, and we light a candle. And as a family, we sing, Happy birthday to Jesus. And I want to tell you something, parents. It's not awkward. I want to tell you something. It's wonderful. Because as a family, we pray together. And it's great for just a moment before we jump into the presence to be able to say, you know what, God, you're a God of movement and we want to move with you. We want you to bless our family, bless this Christmas. We are by no means the perfect family whatsoever. But we try as much as we can to make sure we don't lose focus on what the most important thing is. So let me ask you a question. Do you have a plan for this Christmas to make sure that you don't just keep it the status quo? If you don't have a plan right now, then you are moving away from him. Every year that you say, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Every year that you don't, you stay stuck. And so after the wise men and after the interview, Here's what happens in verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east, notice, guided them to Bethlehem. It moved. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him, and then they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And tomorrow we're going to unpack them. And it's amazing to see what these actually represented. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. That's what I love about this. Zoroastrian Persian priests. And God challenges them and speaks in a dream and says, you've come to worship my son, and I'm going to guide you, and I'm going to be close to you. When you move with God, he reminds you why his plan for your life is always better than yours. You know, something incredible is happening in Myrtle Beach, and I'm going to close early because we have a lot of visitors, and um, their attention spans are actually greater than adults nowadays, believe it or not. Uh, That's a joke, by the way. But did you notice uh, the last few nights, if you went outside in the evening, um, it was a little bit brighter than usual. If you notice in the sky and if you've been out, you've seen the moon rise and it's a spectacular full moon over Myrtle Beach, which is incredible. You know that a full moon around this time happens once every 19 years. However, on Christmas day, something will happen that hasn't happened in four decades. Over 40 years, since 1977 actually, was the last time that there was a full moon on Christmas day something very unique, something very special is happening. But here's the question for all of us. Did you know it was special? Did you know that it's unique? Some of us, like me, are you just outside and go, oh, it's brighter than usual, oh, the moon is out. But you have no idea that what's happening right now outside is something that only happens every few decades at a certain point. My fear for some of you is you're going to go through Christmas and it'll just be a status quo Christmas. That the same thing is going to happen and you're going to miss the most amazing movement by God like many of us are missing the most incredible full moon over Myrtle Beach that hasn't been seen in decades. So families, what are you going to do tomorrow? What have you thought about today that is going to make your Christmas more special than ever before, because God is a God of movement, and you're either moving with Him or you're moving away. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? I thank you for um, I thank you for the incredible story of some wise men who, Lord, don't even culturally connect with your story, but they were wowed and amazed at a moving star. That you placed in the sky. And you foretold it in Scripture that that would happen and it would signify the birth of a Savior, the King, the newborn King of the Jews. But God, I think a lot of us, we play the role of Herod. We play defense against anything you're trying to do in and through our lives. And so right now, I pray for the families in this room that for whatever reason they are holding on to the status quo. Maybe it's a dad who maybe comes to church all the time, but if I were to ask them, much like the baptism we saw earlier today, if you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, where you would go if you were to pass away. And if you don't know that answer, then you don't understand what it means to have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And I just challenge everyone in this room, the greatest Christmas gift that you could give your family is to have eternal security in knowing who your Savior is, guiding you like a star, guiding those wise men, and to be able to trust your life into his hands. And so I'm gonna give you an opportunity to move the status quo even today. That if you're in this room, I'm just gonna pray this simple prayer. And if you would say, Terry, I wanna change the status quo. I want this Christmas to be not just a holiday. I want it to be a holy day and I want it to change for my family. Then I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray this in the privacy of your heart. I will not embarrass you, would not ask you to raise your hand. I just would ask that if you're serious with God, that you pray this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Dear dear Jesus, I know that, God, I know of you, but if I were to say that you're my Lord and my Savior and I follow you and I try to live my life to honor you, I can't say that. And so, Lord, I'm skeptical. There's a lot of things I don't understand, but the one thing I do understand is that I wanna know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I will spend eternity with you in heaven. And so right now I'm taking a step of faith and I'm opening my heart and I'm saying, God, I pray that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm not gonna be perfect. I'm gonna mess up, but I wanna change the status quo and I wanna move toward you. So God, may we move together and may this be a different Christmas. So Father, thank you so much that because I'm gonna follow you and because of my heart, And receiving you, I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'll spend eternity with you and with the saints that have gone before. Thank you that the angels celebrate when one person takes a step in a relationship with Jesus. So dear Jesus, Merry Christmas. And thank you for the focus and the attention we're giving you in these next few days. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.